We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, what a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into a Wednesday edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast. Tons of football and softball on today's episode. We'll hear from Grace Green and college football preview magazine publisher extraordinaire Phil Still. All coming up on the show today. We'll talk about the Sooners, obviously, and the Big 12 in general with Phil Steele. And, you know, finally getting a chance to catch up with Grace Green. It's my first chance to talk to her since the season came to an unfortunate early end. And, uh, Oh, it just so happens to coincide with the dropping of the OU Arizona radio broadcast. That's going to be on the podcast platform tomorrow night, a little bit after 5 o'clock. It was one of the coolest environments I've been a part of. Great game, great rally by this young team. It goes extra innings. So with that being our classic broadcast tomorrow night, I figured what a time to bring Grace Green on the Sooner Sports Podcast. But we'll kick things off with Phil Steele and a little college football. First, though, the Sooner Sports Podcast is brought to you in part by AT&T, America's best network. Metroplex Electric, we can be your electrician. And it's time to add some boneless wings to your Wingstop delivery order, available in any of their 11 mouth-watering flavors. So go ahead and crush those spicy, saucy, sweet, and sassy cravings. Go to wingstop.com now 
and get delivery to your door. Wingstop, where flavor gets its wings. All right, let's get after it. Obviously, softball coming up with gray screen, but as we all wait for the Big 12 to officially release its schedule, Toby and I, on a little bit of a later podcast Tuesday, dropped kind of our thoughts on the 9 plus 1, 9 conference games, 1 non-conference game. You can find that in our archives right now on Soonersports.com slash podcast. But let's dive into the season in general. Phil Steele had a chance to catch up with the guru of previews and talk a little bit about the Sooners, the Big 12, and his magazine. You know, I'd say it happened uh, probably in the early 2000s. You know, when the magazine came out, it was uh, geared towards gamblers. Uh, All the angles in the magazine were geared towards gamblers. Uh, Everything was point spread wise. I had a lot of gambling ads and stuff like that in there, but as we started to become a little more mainstream, I started taking all that out, and then there was more access to the coaches, and then once you got access to the coaches, a lot of things changed. So I would say the early 2000s, pretty much around the time we went from the black and white on newsprint all the way to full-color printing. You know, it was uh, quite a change for the magazine and, and, and really helped out. How challenge? well, we all know the challenges with COVID-19, but when you would talk to these coaches – it had to be different because they probably didn't even know what a season would look like and they hadn't had a chance to have spring practices. How unique was it? And I don't want to use the term confusing for coaches, but how difficult was them to truly be for them to truly be able to give you some insight? Uh, not too difficult at all. Oh, in fact, nice. I wondered about the same thing prior to the coaches conversations, but in talking to the coaches, especially the experienced head coaches, uh, you know, I'd say, oh, wow, tough break, Coach, uh, zero spring practices. And they'd be like, you know what, big deal. We had the off-season conditioning with them. We were ready for spring to start. The only people it's going to hurt is maybe the redshirt freshman that was trying to get past the junior on the two deep, and it's not going to happen this year. But we're ready to go, and I'll be ready to go when the football season starts. Put the ball in the field, we're ready to play. It was pretty much a next-man-up philosophy. And i got to tell you, Chris, I, I came out of the conversation just fired up for football because these coaches are going to be ready to play. The teams are going to be ready to play. And the, the coaches I feel worse for, naturally, are the, the first-year head coaches without the benefit of spring practice, an inexperienced team, a new quarterback, those whole things all the way down the stretch. Yeah, they're going to struggle this year, but for the most part, uh, the coaches are just like, you put the ball in the field, we'll play. PhilSteel.com, you can order right now the college football preview for 2020. I'm only going to ask one more question. How confident are you in this season getting started on time uh, and getting to play a full schedule this year? I'm very confident that we'll at least have full conference schedules. And if it starts you know, a couple weeks into September, I'm good with that. You know, Full schedules right now, we'll see what happens. I'd like to see it. Uh, but the good news is, for my magazine, I, I gear everything to conference records. So, gotcha. you know, if it's just conference schedule, I'm happy because that's the way my magazine is geared. But uh, <laughs> I'm hoping we get 12 for these, uh, you know, big 12 SEC. We'll see what happens. Uh, let me – okay, so we're in Norman and covering the Sooners. Take me through kind of your snapshot. Obviously, a whole new look at quarterback and at receiver and then a, your key defensive player is, is gone. But – just from a distance, Phil, what was your initial thought as you started to dive into the five-time defending Big 12 champs? Uh, a likely playoff spot, and I think we're going to actually be talking defense this year a little bit with uh, Oklahoma and the fact that uh, I like this defense. Ronnie Perkins at the uh, the defensive end spot. Uh, you know, you look at a Trey Brown at corner, Brendan Radley-Hiles 
at uh, Nickelback. Uh, there's a lot of good players on this defense, and they played well at times last year. Remember the Texas game? They got so many sacks in that game, and I think we're going to see the best Oklahoma defense we've seen in the last four years. And offensively, I'm not too concerned about the quarterback situation. I know there's no transfer coming in this year, but Spencer Rattler, pretty good. He's my number one rated quarterback out of high school. He's had a year in the system, which is a benefit over what Jalen Hurts had. Jalen Hurts only had one year in the system. This is Rattler's second year. He got his feet wet last year, was able to play. He's got a real good feel for the game, a natural thrower. The running back core looks good, led by Kennedy Brooks. Uh, I you know, replacing a, a talent like C.D. Lamb is going to be tough. C.D. Lamb, anytime he caught the ball, was a threat to take it to the house. 14 touchdowns. But there's talent there at the receiver position. A player like Theo Weiss could uh, emerge. I think Rambo is clearly the top guy they have there. And then the offensive line. Remember last year, Bedenbaugh only had one offensive lineman coming back. Uh, and this year, practically a whole unit's back. I've written the number two offensive line in the country, and we know Offensive line coach uh, Bill Bedenbaugh can produce a solid offensive line. So with that offensive line, I think all the other pieces will emerge. And this Oklahoma is a legitimate threat, not only to make the playoff this year, Chris, but how about win a playoff game, huh? I know it's in the last three years they made it and, and haven't won. But if you got the defense, which I think they will, I believe they could have a top 20 defense this year, to go along with that offense, that will make them a threat. I have two defensive questions here then for you. Number one, I've always had this theory in life that your last impression is usually the lasting impression. And unfortunately for Oklahoma's defense, that last impression was LSU. But I, it pumps me up, Phil, to see that you dug into the numbers. They were much better than that showing that we saw in the – I keep saying the Peach Bowl – the four-team playoff last year, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. And you go into that game, I think they were missing their top two defensive players yeah. coming in. And then one got injured right in the first quarter of the game. And – you're taking an LSU offense that average, averaged 48.6 points per game, okay? So they did that to Alabama. They did that to everybody they played last year. Uh, and I, I do like the talent. I mean, we saw uh, Oklahoma play really good defense, especially, you know, early in the year they looked like a good defense. And I think had they had their pieces in that game, it, it probably would have been more competitive for sure. But, oh, yeah, I rate them right now heading into the, the country. I've got them projected as my number 18 defense coming in. So, uh, and can you imagine Oklahoma defense to go along with the offense? That'll be a pretty good situation. I want to shift it from OU then to just the general thoughts on the Big 12. Phil Steele is with us. His website to order the Bible for college football is philsteele.com. What will it take to change the national perception of the Big 12 defensively? You've got Dave Aranda now at Baylor, and they were pretty good defensively last year. We talked about Alex Grinch at OU, at Matt Wells and his crew at Texas Tech. I mean, Jordan Brooks was a first-round pick. Phil, is it going to take winning a playoff game? I mean, what can change the perception of this league defensively? Uh, I think that might be the case. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I thought the Big 12 played much better defense last year. You touched on Baylor. Baylor could rush the quarterback with three players, drop eight in coverage, had a heck of a D. Best defense in the Big 12 might have been TCU last year. I thought TCU yeah. had an exceptional defense. and uh, So I think that uh, and, you know, here's the thing, Chris. A lot of it is national perception. Uh, I watched Alabama play LSU, and that score was 46-41. to 41, And the talk was not, oh, the SEC doesn't play defense. It was, that was some great offense. Meanwhile, uh, two years ago, you know, Texas played Oklahoma. The score is 48-45, and it's like, oh, that was just horrific defense. Right. Uh, the national narrative has got has got to change. I, I think what you hit it on, win a couple of games, and then maybe they don't talk that way. But I thought the Big 12 had improved defense last year. 
Is this a, is this a year where, where Texas is the prime contender to Oklahoma for the throne, or do you think with Chuba Hubbard coming back and Spencer Sanders getting healthy, Tylen Wallace back at OSU, it could be Mike Gundy's year to battle with Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game? Both teams have that shot this year, yeah. and I think health probably is a big uh, concern. Remember last year, Texas got all banged up on the defensive side of the ball, and they only had eight returning starters to begin with. Well, this year they got 16 returning starters. Not only nine starters back on D, but last year's injuries had a whole bunch of players start games, so they've got a lot of players that have started in, in games coming back. Nine starters back on D as opposed to three. They're going to be tougher on that side of the ball. And then they got Ellinger, a QB, Ingram, Johnson, Young, Robinson, a running back. They're deep there. The offensive line is solid. I do think Texas is a legitimate contender in the Big 12. And then how about Oklahoma State? You know, last year, their defense was extremely young. They only had four returning starters. I had major questions all over the place, especially up front on the defensive line. They did okay last year, but they still allowed 412 yards per game. Well, I don't even know if they lost anybody. Practically the entire unit's back from last year. Ten starters are back. They now have a year under their belt, so they're going to be much stronger on the defensive side of the ball. And then offensively, Mike Gundy got his Christmas presents coming in when Chuba Hubbard turned down the NFL, Tylen Wallace turned down the NFL, and Spencer Sanders was a freshman quarterback last year that got injured at the end of the year. He comes back a veteran sophomore. Now, a lot of people, when they break down the team, look at quarterback, running back, receiver, and that's how they judge it. If you do that, yes, Oklahoma State's right there, but I think they will have an improved defense, and I think those two teams clearly both are a threat to Oklahoma, although I picked the Sooners to win, it all, to win the Big 12. I think it's going to be fascinating as well about what two through seven. Well, maybe maybe we could say you feel good about OSU and Texas at two and three, but I think about four through eight in this league. I mean, uh, you've got Iowa State with Brock Purdy back at quarterback, who is a fascinating story with Matt Campbell. Uh, I I kind of I dig Matt Wells, man. I think what he's doing at Tech is going to be fascinating to follow. And listen, Gary Patterson, you don't want to mess around with GP down at TCU. I think this is a fascinating year in the Big 12 uh, from top to bottom. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, you do have to include TCU and Iowa State as contenders. Uh, You go back to Gary Patterson. This guy doesn't have losing seasons, right? In the last two times he's had a losing season, they win 11 or 12 games the next year. And he's going to have one of the best defenses in the Big 12 led by Garrett Wallow at linebacker. And, you know, they added an LSU linebacker late brought in. They they added potentially Spielman, a wide receiver. They bring in Zach Evans, the number one rated running back out of high school, who originally signed with, I believe, with Georgia. Now he's here with uh, TCU, along with Barlow and Foster. Max Dugan is now a veteran sophomore. TCU is going to surprise a lot of folks this year. They are on my most improved list and my surprise team list. And the only reason I don't have Iowa State rated higher was I think the top five teams in the Big 12 are Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Oklahoma State, TCU, and Iowa State. Of those five, Iowa State plays the toughest schedule. They play at TCU, at Texas, uh, at Oklahoma State, and they host Oklahoma. So they could be an underdog in all four. But what a job Matt Campbell's doing building that team. Eight returning starters on defense. You touched on Brock Purdy, a quarterback. And then Brees Hall's a running back who, when I talked to Campbell in the Spring, he he felt he was going to emerge as the number one guy, and he rarely saw the field the first five games. But over the last eight games, he was dynamic, averaged 101 yards rushing per game. They've got the best set of tight ends in the country with Kolar and Allen both back this year. Biggest question mark with them is that offensive line. Last year was a veteran group. They only have one starter back on the offensive line. But, uh, yeah, I think the Big 12 is pretty exciting. 
I'll, I'll let you go on a final thought. Last year at this point, a lot of people thought LSU could be pretty good. I don't think we ever anticipated them having an historic season like they did with Burrow winning the Heisman. Are there a couple of teams that maybe you have in that could have an LSU-type season or maybe we don't have it number one in our preseason polls that could end up surprising us by the end of the season? Yeah, and we've had a, a pretty good track record with surprise teams. I, I probably would have picked LSU as a surprise team last year, but I can't pick a top ten team, and I believe oh, they yeah, were number sorry. eight coming into the season. I had said when I did the radio show circuit that LSU would be favored in 11 games. The only game they weren't favored would be at Alabama, and as it turns out, they won that game and, and went on to great things. But I don't think anybody expected 48.6 points per game out of them. Uh, but anyway, we've had a pretty good record with the the, uh, the uh, uh, surprise teams. You go back a few years with Washington was a non-top-10 team that made the playoff. Notre Dame two years ago made the playoff as my, a non-top-10 team and my number one surprise team. And then last year I had Utah as my number one surprise team. And had they doggone beat Oregon in that Pac-12 title game, they would have been in the playoff last year. So this year my number one surprise team is Texas A&M. And, and I know they lost five games last year, but hear me out on this one. Um, last year when I was talking to Coach Fisher and going over the squad with them, two things stood out. Number one, they had a heck of a schedule coming in. And, and as it turns out, uh, Chris, they played the number one ranked Clemson, number one ranked Alabama, number one ranked LSU, three number one teams in the same season, the number four and the number eight team in the country. And the other thing that stood out was they had a lack of seniors on the squad. It was a very young team. And uh, I told Coach Fisher after the call, or at the end of the call, I said, Coach, I'm going to put you on my national cover next year because this year you figured to be more experienced, easier schedule. Both those things have happened. They've got 17 returning starters coming back, led by a veteran quarterback in Kellen Mond. And the schedule drops all the way down to number 66 on my schedules this strength this year. They may only face one top 10 team all year, as opposed to five, including three number ones last year. So whereas A&M lost five games last year, I understand why they did. I think this year they're going to be favored, much like LSU last year, favored in all their games, except that one that's in Tuscaloosa. So all they have to do is go into Tuscaloosa, come out with the win, pretty easy. And if they do that, they, they could make the playoff this year. Man, I really appreciate Phil Steele's time. What an incredible publication. And, you know, as, as we kind of talked about, it's wild. It went from being something that was just gambling to now it's across the board in a college football preview uh, mindset. And as he said, you know, once we kind of got past that and once uh, they realized I'm, I'm diving into giving your team the best preview possible, it became widespread and mainstream. So thanks to Phil Steele. As we continue to count down and wait, for the Big 12 schedule, and then I think once we get that schedule, you'll start seeing things roll downhill a little bit. Unlikely the Sooners are going to open in that last weekend in August. As Toby talked about yesterday, if the conference schedule is going to begin on September 19th, then there's a really good chance we'll start the season on September 5th against Missouri State. If the Big 12 decides to wait until September 26th, then we'll likely start the season on September 12th against you know, who knows? Uh, they want a bye week between the non-conference game and the start of the conference season. And, and oh, by the way, uh, two teams just came to mind that actually have open dates on the 12th. They include North Texas and head coach Seth Luttrell and 
Arkansas State. Hey, if you're interested in taking your passion for OU athletics to a new level, well, you need to experience the best game day experiences while supporting scholarships for nearly 600 student athletes. Join the Sooner Club today. Customizable options are available by calling 325-8000. That's 405 405- Three two five eight thousand. Norman Regional offers virtual care, so you can consult with a doc on your smartphone. Learn more at normanvirtualcare.com, or you can download the app today. OU Extended Campus, providing degrees online, on-site, on your schedule. Become the tradition. And OG&E, power at the speed of life. Hey, OG&E, a proud supporter of Sooner softball all season long. And as we count down to tomorrow night's classic broadcast between OU and Arizona from earlier this season, I had a chance to catch up with Sooner standout sophomore, Grace Green. Well, first and foremost, I know it's kind of old news, Grace, now, but it's still current with COVID-19, but can you take us through what it was like that moment, that weekend, whenever you're preparing for, well, let's see, it started preparing for Kent State, then they were out, then New Mexico State, and they were out, then we thought Houston, and they were out, and then the next thing you know, the season's over, and there's no chance for a postseason. What was that uh, first few moments like of you guys finding out? Yeah, it was all kind of crazy because um, we started like hearing about COVID, like, in the U.S., and so everyone was, like, I guess a little nervous about it, but we didn't realize, like, what was going to happen, obviously. Um, so when we found out, um, the team started pulling out, and we weren't going to play that weekend. Um, and then the next weekend was conference. We were getting a little worried, but we, like, originally had heard that it was going to, like, we would probably, like, take a little rest for a couple weeks and, like, let the let the virus, like, die down. Everyone thought it was only going to take a couple weeks. Well, then, literally, like, the same day, we just kept getting, like, information, like, oh, this, like, it's not going to happen. And so everyone was kind of just in shock. It didn't even feel real, honestly, because it was like, how can they, like, how can this, like, like, how can we not have a season? You know what I mean? Um, so it was kind of just crazy and almost like, and we were kind of in just in disbelief. And then at that point, everyone was just like, well, are we going to get this year back? Like, everyone was worried. Like, so that was like kind of from like disbelief to like, oh, shoot, like, I really hope we get to play another year. You know what I mean? Yeah. What have you learned about that? Is is Grace Green going to be a sophomore in eligibility again next year? Or are you a junior? Where are we in that process? So I guess, like, the way Coach JT has explained it is just basically, like, that that year, it, basically it's like we're COVID, like, for me it would be like a COVID sophomore, so like a red shirt, whatever. Gotcha. Like, basically, since they gave, gave us that year back, it's basically just like, we redshirted, but That's obviously cool. like the rest of like this year is just kind of like, we won't have any stats or anything for it, I guess. So it's kind of just like, it didn't happen, which hmm. is sad because it was, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, we still played like the majority of preseason. So I, I still remember when we made the trip to Mexico and, and we were going through just, you know, getting our tickets and we had to go to Houston the night before to get out because of weather and when we were leaving Houston, the lady said, have you traveled to China in the last 30 days? Yes. And I was like, why are they even asking us that? But, I mean, Grace, you're right. I, I know that whenever the numbers started to go up and we had the Rudy Gobert positive test, people thought, okay, this might be problematic. But I don't think anyone thought it would end up costing us as much time as it did in that moment, did they? No, I don't think anyone thought that. And, like, so my sister's a senior in high school this year. So I was sad for her because she, she missed, like, her last three months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't great graduation, no prom, nothing. So like, that's sad for all the seniors, but then I'm afraid like the way things are going in California, at least like my brother and like the schools around here, he's going to be a freshman. They just said that, um, 
it's all distance learning. So basically all online again. So now I'm sad for those like the seniors this year because they might not even get a whole year. You know what I mean? So hopefully like it all kind of dies down. But I know in Cali, at least things are kind of shut down again, um, which isn't isn't very fun. And like for the like all these kids who want to play sports, like my brother was going to play football. And so that's like he doesn't get to. He went to like two weeks of conditioning and then they shut everything down. So it's just kind of everything's still in the air, I feel like, which makes it hard because there's like no finality and like there's no um, you just don't know what's going to happen. What do you feel? I mean, are you feeling confident about the plan? I, I don't I, and like it. I guess we know it's going to be a bit before you guys have to get back to campus. But as you've started to talk to coach and JT and others, Grace, are you feeling confident about getting back to campus and feeling safe in the environment here in Norman? Yeah, I definitely feel confident about that. I know um, like just from talking to Brian and football, like they've been very good about um, like testing and um, keeping small groups and stuff. And I think that's been going well from what I've heard, at least. So I think that our university is doing pretty much what we can um, to keep us safe and try to get us on track so that we can so the football can play and so that, you know, all the other sports can can play. And so I think I really am confident going back. Uh, I feel safe and I feel like they're doing all they can to keep us um, healthy. What has this time been like for you? Because, again, I, I can't even imagine, Grace, knowing how uh, involved in athlete, athletics you are. Had there ever been a time where you just had a summer where basically it's not that you can't do anything, you're really not allowed to do anything. So what was this summer break like for you? Yeah, it was kind of – it's been crazy um, as far as like – because when I first came back, everything was shut down. Like I, for everybody at first, like no gyms, nothing. Um, and then like other states kind of started to open up and Cali took a little longer. And then um, finally everything – like there hasn't been a lot of cases near us. So like our county and stuff has been pretty good about things being open. But then um, our governor, he – he kind of shut everything down again, but thankfully for me, my dad has um, one of his best friends from high school. He was like really big into CrossFit. So he has basically like a full on weight room, like in his, in his little, he has like a little shed. And so I've been able nice. to go there. Yeah. I've been able to go there and work out um, and like get like good, like actual lifts going, even when the gyms were closed down. Um, and he also has like um, a little cage. So I've been able to like do my hitting there um, and do my, um, my workouts there, but it's been weird. Cause like you try to find different things to do. So like when I couldn't do anything, like my dad and I would go hit in the arena because we have a roping arena. So like last night we were out there hitting in the arena because like there's really nowhere to go. So it's just been, um, it's just been like finding, just really being really versatile, trying to find different things to do to get your training done. I know like when we didn't have weights or anything, um, they sent us like bands and stuff. And like, that was weird to do workouts with just bands, like heavy resistant bands. Um, but yeah, so I've been, I've been pretty blessed, like with my dad's friend, just being able to go over there and just kind of get stuff done. Yeah. Um, and again, Grace Green's joining us. We got a little time before softball, but when you look back on this season, uh, it's going to be tough because it's a great season of what might have been, but Grace, I thought you had a great start, you know, playing the DP role, you know, obviously, it played some outfield. It kind of moved away from playing a lot of first base. What was this year like for you on the field? And we talked about the personal side of it, but what was it like for you on the field and in the batter's box? Um, it was, it was, it felt like a rough start to me coming off of last season. Um, but I know that's how it goes. It's not always going to be like uphill. You know what I mean? There's going to be 
little bumps in the road. So that for me, like towards the end of it, like the end of what was our shortened season, I felt like I was getting over that, like kind of getting over that hump. Like I felt like it didn't start out great. And I was like working my way up um, to getting better. And so um, it was just kind of disappointing. Cause like you said, like a season, like it, it just like, we just think like, Oh, what it could have been, you know what I mean? Um, and so I guess, I guess we'll never really know what this year like had in store for us. But um, yeah, I think just like for everybody on the field, it was like, we were all, like working hard, like normal, you know what I mean? And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, every team everywhere, you know, just gets shut down. So it's just, it's just, it's just weird. Um, just kind of disappointing and sad because you miss like, you miss that, um, you just miss that opportunity, you know, but it's kind of good to think that everyone else went through it too. Like yeah. you're not, you're not going through it alone. Like every other team has to deal with it. So. What was it like growing up around the rodeo? <laughs> it was awesome. It's been fun me and Lindsay, um elam and rayleigh pogue we always joke that when we're done playing softball we'll all do um we'll all rope together <laughs> when we're done because our our dads do that so um yeah it was it's it's a cool world um and it's funny because like i'm the only one in my family who doesn't do it so they always assume like i don't really know much about it and i'm like you guys forget like i was there like i <laughs> i grew up on the road in the trailer uh, like with dad like we like everywhere so like it's funny like i'll say stuff about horses and my sister will be like what like you know that and i'm like yes i know that what do you mean but yeah so it's kind of funny because like for a part of it it's like oh you're the outcast but not really because i grew up with it um and it's just like a different mentality like it's i really can like you can describe it like kind of almost a sport of failure just like like softball and baseball because like for us like we fail like seven out of 10 times and we're still batting 300. You know what I mean? And that's like, that's pretty decent. But for like my dad and rodeo, like, so he has to pay his fees to get in. Um, and if he misses, he doesn't get another chance. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like as raised, like with that, like, I don't know, it's like a sport of failure too. So he's kind of cool to talk to about softball just because he understands that aspect of it. And like, he was, he was um so good in his time, like one of the best. So he's been like at high competition and, He's been in high pressure and stuff like that. So it's just cool to kind of like reminisce with him because he hasn't been able to do a ton of stuff either because they shut everything down basically, but they've been going to a few ropings. Um, so I've kind of gone and like just kind of pick his brain a little bit just about what he thinks when he's roping and stuff. Never thought about that. It's two different sports, but yet there's still pressure there. And so he understand yep. he understands and he went through it. So does now your, your sister doesn't play ball. She's involved in, in rodeo. Is that the same with your brother? Yeah, so he's um, he's really good. He just qualified for um, the junior NFR. So the NFR is the finals, um, and that's uh, normally in Vegas. And so the junior NFR, he's only 14. He's about to be 15. And he just qualified in the tie-down, which is calf roping. Um, so you rope the calf, you get off and tie it. And so I am, like, still see him as this, like, seven-year-old little boy, and here he is <laughs> jumping off his horse and, like, flanking a huge calf and tying it. I'm like, what the heck is going on? Um like how did you grow up so fast but it's been yeah so Kendall she does rodeo too um she's like she so our state is pretty much the only state who didn't have a finals so she missed out on her state finals senior year so it's been kind of tough for her I think more than me just kind of like like being motivated and stuff because she just missed out on like just like the best part of it you know what I mean um yeah but she's uh, she bought a colt so she's been working on uh, she's really into 
more so like the writing part of it right now. So she has a colt that she's been riding um, and trying to get him ready, uh, turn him into something. I think he'll be a head horse. Um, that's what she's planning on. But yeah, so it's been cool. Like I'll ride the horses for him if they need them warmed up by any means. Like I don't, I cannot do what they do. <laughs> like I have, I haven't roped since I was probably 14 years old. You know what I mean? So, um, but I can, I can exercise some of the horses for him and stuff. So that's been fun. That's kind of a little outlet too. Um, just like kind of back to my roots. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. It's it's funny that you mentioned that. My my daughter, who is 11 and turning 12 this year, she's big into horses. And it's kind of funny because I never really think about, you're talking about your sister, getting a colt. For me, it was growing up begging for a dog, and I had to stay away from cats because I was allergic to them. But you, you would grow up being like, hey, let's let's get this horse. That's just, it's a whole other world. I think people hear Grace Green from California, they think, ah, oh, yeah, California, Bright Light's big city. But, you know, Oakdale's the farthest thing from that, right? Oh yeah, definitely. So it was funny. Like I remember, um, people just being like my first fall. So I hadn't seen my parents until they came for our fall game. Right. So I remember saying something like, Oh, I'm so excited for like, for them to be here. And like, people were like, what do you mean? Like, don't you live up the road? And I was like, no, I live in, like, I live in California. And they were like, Seriously? I thought you were from here. And it's just so funny. Like, um, I don't know, just even other and like how we grew up and like how you expect someone to grow up in California. Yeah, it's we live in this, this little town. We have uh, 40 acres and uh, a bunch of cattle, a bunch of horses. We've got some my brother's trying to do like this, like goat business right now. So he's got a bunch of goats. Your first trip to Oklahoma wasn't like a recruiting trip or anything like that, right? You'd been through here with your dad. Is that right? Yeah, so it's kind of crazy. Um I honestly like have always just felt like I was supposed to end up at Oklahoma, even though I didn't know that growing up. But my um, on both sides of my family, um, my my dad's dad was born and lived in Oklahoma for a while. um, And then he ended up moving to California. He moved back and forth um, with his family. So they're from, um, I think, like Sand Springs, I think is what Mm -hmm. it's called. Um, And then uh, my mom's side they're from Okmulgee so I have two sides of the family that were like both from Oklahoma which is just like super random to me um that I didn't even really know that when I was being recruited um but that's you know where I ended up so but yeah through rodeo my dad has been um been there a lot he's won the timed event championship um I think three times and that's that's in Oklahoma um and that's, that's like one of his biggest ones that he goes to now because he stopped doing it uh, full time or for a living, whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's the big one. I want him to do again at least one more time because like all the team can come if, like if it works out, obviously. Um, but it'd be cool for them to see that um, the timed event. Um, but yeah, so we there were a lot of trips where we went and watched him um, and then it, it's during season normally. So um, like March normally is when it is so like we would go watch an OU softball game too Mm. which was kind of fun like two and one you got to watch your dad and then you're going and watching like the school you want to go to so that's cool um two more quick ones and I'll let you get out of here all right there's a lot of people that are listening to this that are aware of the story and and the fight that your mom went through Grace give us an update how's how's Shonda doing how's your mom doing how's she coming along she's she's doing amazing um it's still it's still tough um she her body is still um still getting stronger um it's not where we would like it to be but she has come a long way she um actually went back to work 
um, right before COVID happened. So like two weeks before everything got shut down, she went back working full time and she's a radiation therapist uh, for cancer patients. So she, um, she like never, they never like shut down her hospital cause she's like essential. So like they've had, they've had work the whole time, but yeah, she's doing great. She, um, she goes to work by herself. She, she uses a cane, um, just to help her. Um, just, I think more so like a confidence thing. Cause when she walks around the house, she walks with no cane, um, like no one holding her hand. Like she does good. She's doing awesome. And like, she was joking yesterday. She, she can't like run yet and she can't jump yet. So that's my prayer for her is just that, um, like soon she'll be able to like gain the strength in her legs to do that kind of stuff and feel confident doing it. But she was like joking around kind of speed walking down the hall <laughs> yesterday and it was just like, look at me, I'm, I'm jogging. And we all just kind of laugh, but it's, it's honestly, it's just awesome seeing how far she's come. Cause I remember when I saw her, she literally couldn't lift her legs up. Like she couldn't move her legs if they were in a weird position or anything. So it's just, it's just crazy to watch Like she literally works full time now. Um, and great. I don't know, she's still dealing with it every day. Um, and her body is still not where, like, like I said, she can pretty much only walk. Like that's all she can really do. But like, that's, I don't know. That's such a big step. And it's just been awesome to see how strong she is through this. And like, just what God has done for her. And like, even for me, just like being so thankful that like, when I go work out, I think about it so many times. Like if I do a box jump, I'm like, I just, am so thankful I can do this. Like, I'm so thankful that I can, that I'm able to do this because like my mom, it, it all got taken away from her and like, it could happen to anybody. You know what I mean? So it's just crazy to think about like, just how thankful and grateful we need to be for the things that like, that really are like everyday things for a lot of people, you know what I mean? But for yeah. my mom, like it got taken away from her and she's like battling every day to try to get it back. Um, and she is slowly, but surely getting stronger and, um, just, just getting better every day. That that's great to hear. Grace, I'll let you go on this. Obviously there'll be a lot of excitement around the softball season when we get around to it. I know it's kind of hard to think about it as we sit here and talk in, what, uh, late July, early August, but how do you feel about this team coming back and what you guys were able to, to kind of create in a very short amount of time this year? I, I, I'm very excited. I think it's going um, to be a lot of fun. I know um, with as hard as we worked um, last season, I guess, um, and the, the, in, the newcomers, um, that are the incoming freshmen, I just know that they're, um, they're all great and they have a great work ethic and we've all stayed in touch like through zoom and stuff. Um, so I just think we have a really good foundation right now. So I'm really excited to see what this season brings. Um, I know it's going to be different, like school's going to look different, but I think that, um, I feel like coach always handles those things really well. So I just think that, um, we're all going to come in with a really good foundation, like, knowing each other pretty well and just when we finally get to get back on the field I think it's just going to be really good camaraderie cannot talk (laughs) but yeah I think that um I just think that we have a good foundation and that this season will be really well we have a lot of athletic girls and a lot of girls who can play a lot of different positions and um a lot of selfless girls so I just think it's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be really interesting to see what we can do oh and and since you mentioned it just a lot of zoom meetings is that how you guys are staying in touch with each other yeah we zoom um like we pretty much once a week um we've been doing some like hitting meetings um like just optional ones where you can just kind of like we uh talk to some hitters um and stuff so like today we talked to Kaylani which was cool we just like asked her questions 
Um, and so that's been good. Like just kind of keeping our like brains, like thinking about softball and different approaches, um, like batting, pitching, whatever it may be. Um, and then, yeah, we have our team zooms, um, about once a week. So that's been good just to stay in touch and, um, get informed on whatever's happening, um, at the university. It's awesome. I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad you're healthy. Grace, thanks so much for your time. And I can't wait to see you back on campus. Thank you so much, Chris. Big fan of Grace Green. Can't wait to see what the future has in store for her and for Sooner Softball. Hey, for Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Oklahoma updates, please check out bcbsok.com. With regards to medical treatment, members should call the number on their ID card for answers to their specific benefit questions. Our members' well-being remains our top priority as we continue to monitor news about COVID-19. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, that's the CDC website, is still the best source for all the most up-to-date COVID-19 information. Again, tomorrow night, as we look at what's on tap with the Sooner Sports Podcast, presented by Phillips 66, Live to the Full, we will have the full game broadcast, 10 innings, Oklahoma and Arizona softball, as we continue to look back on the best moments of the 2019-2020 athletic year. Despite COVID-19 shutting things down early, you're going to enjoy that. And then on Saturday, it's the Bedlam Showdown between OU and OSU on the gridiron Baker Mayfield 2015. Uh, Sooners ran away in this game, but it's a fun listen, especially that moment when Joe Mixon reverses field and his lead blocker is Baker Mayfield. That'll be available on the podcast this week. And on Friday, we hope to hear from Joe Castiglione yet again as we continue to count down to the start of the 2020 college football season. That's what's on tap, presented by Phillips 66. Until then, everyone have a great midweek. And until Friday, Boomer Sooner, everybody. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Download speeds up to one gigabit per second. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply.